All right, everybody. I know it's not Wednesday, so you're probably shocked to find <laughs> out what I'm doing here, sitting here at like four o'clock on a Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday afternoon. With the lovely Jersey Jewel, too. Uh, two two oh, okay. uh, lovely ladies here. Um, we're doing a special uh, live interview with Carol Burnett, which is a uh, very rare moment. So we wanted to make sure that we do it live. Um, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gisela Bella, and one of the premier hosts, uh, Jerry Petito. I'm so honored. Thank you, guys. Uh, oh, you're welcome. And that's going to cost you a fribble. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> a fribble. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're going to be joined uh, shortly by Carol Burnett, and hopefully, and I uh, hope you all take the ride with us. It's, we're not going to have much time with her, but we're going to try it's and... It's a good 15 <laughs> minutes of your time. Yeah, so uh, we're going to get the questions that almost everybody wants to hear. So while we're waiting for um, Carol to call in... How is Jerry doing? I heard you're yeah. a, a Hall of Famer now, Jerry. December 3rd, I get inducted, guys. Wow. All internet, international. How cool is that? That is awesome. That's cool. It's the way to do it. you got to keep plugging away. Yep. Here we are. All positive things, too. That's it. What is, have, has been your favorite show that you put together so far? I don't even know how to answer that, Gisela. I know. Honestly, I, I put you on the spot. There has to be one on that, that stands out. Um, you know, I have a favorite. You do? I do. Okay. I, I still have a, a Julia Scotty. Okay. You cool. know? Oh, yeah, I know her. Yep, when she came her. in and, this game sucks. Uh-huh, you know, like. great. <laughs> no, I thought it was uh, William Shatner because all he did for the whole 15 no. minutes we had him was hit on William for Shatner minutes. was like, yeah, well, that wasn't my, interesting to me. <laughs> my favorite, 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 of course, was... Ken Brady from the casinos. Oh, wow. I had a feeling you were going to say that. And then, of course, Michael D. Moore from uh, the Capris. Michael D. Moore. But yes, Ken Brady <laughs> from the casinos. Do yes. you know, actually, my father was friends with Nick Santo. Oh, really? From mm-hmm. the Capris years really? ago. Because uh, that was going back, uh, but uh, it's funny. You know who I liked? The guy that said he knew everything about sports but got every question That's wrong. That's great. That was the best, right? <laughs> I would say that would be your favorite show, right, Carla? That Carlo? is so <laughs> great. That was what so happened great. to the girl that was like a bagel store owner and then just was like sad? She's a mom now, Sam. Sam Samantha Lillis. Samantha, she's Congratulations. A mom now. Life happens, Carlo. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess Some bagel, people actually do things. <laughs> I guess bagels are erotic and they cause, they cause childbirth. Well, you know, they definitely are part of a craving, I'm sure. <laughs> they got to put a disclaimer up. Eating bagels may lead to childbirth. That's funny. <laughs> so, anyway, so you went to um, the Carol Burnett show. How was that? Oh, yeah. You Went to the, uh, I went because you guys gave us the tickets, so yeah. thank you for that. You're welcome. The Carol Burnett show was so awesome, and yeah. she did a very long show, okay. and I, it was like me sitting there at my TV with my family Aww. growing up. It was, was it like a reflection? So it of... took you back? Yes, it took us back. She did a reflection, and she had a screen, and she showed all the greats oh, that have ever been wow. on her show, little clips. It was beautiful. Aww. I got to say, yeah. it was beautiful. That it was show well was... done. Yes. Aww was ahead of itself even for its time that's right you know and i had my kids i couldn't go and you where were you i had i had a gig yeah that's why i couldn't go oh man i was so happy i want i was gonna go but when i found out that she has like no free time and and there would be no meet and greet up said nah i'll pass (laughs) but i got to raise my hand and i got to talk to her so that was pretty cool that is pretty what was your question Uh, my question was i said hi carol i'm a huge fan i grew up watching you you're incredible i can't believe i'm here i said and i'm a radio 
show host. I said, how do I get an interview? And she gave me her agent's name and wow. said to email him, which I'm going to do. But here I am with you guys. Yeah. See that? So this is incredible. <laughs> well, I've been trying. You know what? I There's lots of celebrities that. Oh, my that God. This was the two years. This is, well, this is the thing with trying to book guests. Some of them take two emails. Others take 17. Uh-huh. Some never happen. So it's just the way it is. It's, yes. It all depends on. Or who, some say yes and truly never happen. Well, that's the whole thing. I hate when they confirm and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden they pull uh, the wool out from under. And that, you know what? It gets me frustrated. But you know what? And I'm uh, the diplomatic one. He's the one that gets upset. Oh, I get mad. I send, I, you know, and I, I, I'm not going to do it anymore. But I send like really nasty, you know, why, why are you wasting my time? So, he's very bad. I go, Carlo, I go, they have no control. Stop. You know, they're like the middle guy. You're shooting the messenger. No, no. It's funny. But no, they, the publicists control everything. They can make it happen if they want. Don't, let me tell you something. From years of dealing with them, if an artist or a celebrity says, um, it's my manager, it's not me, they're lying. It's them that control everything. It, the publicists can say they can. Right. But a lot of them really do a lot of research. But And no matter what network you're from, if they feel that you're not a perfect fit, they're not going to set up the interview, regardless of who you're associated with or who you're syndicated with. If they feel your show is not a perfect fit for their celebrity, you're not getting well, the interview. that's the whole thing, but the, they are the gatekeepers. They're there to filter out things, and it's persistent. You still have to be diplomatic. P- persistence <laughs> helps. I Listen, I'm, I'm, I give them everything. The mistake that people make too much information in yes. opening emails. Say, I'd like to say, this is what I do, and I, I like to see about setting up uh, an interview on such and such a date, that's, uh, and that's it. And then I let them, what do you need from me? You know what I'm saying? Go for right, it. Right. Less I, is more. Right. That's, less is that's, more. That's, yes. You know Absolutely. Yeah. We, we're going to have to have a little school. I, I, I was actually bringing it up to Ruben. I said, maybe we could have like a little class on how to, you know, cold contact, but, you know, on a professional level. Yeah, well. <laughs> Not I mean, on a high school level. The, um, <laughs> the whole thing is that and the, the, the upside is once you get in with a publicist, then she feeds you everything. Right. And I've had that. I've got like, like a dozen different publicists that'll give me anything I want. Oh, can you do? And sometimes you might have to take the little fish to get the big fish. So right. it's a trade-off. So that, it's worth it, though. You never know. It's only 4.13. Relax. It's Carol Burnett, man. We're exactly. too excited. We're I too know. excited. And it's like, you know, when you're waiting for the queen. You okay. know, the queen has the right you, you to come in, out? even a little tardy. <laughs> she... Believe it or not, she is the queen. Exactly. She is the queen. So we have to be patient. You know, you're waiting for royalty. <laughs> well, yes. And that's it. But I, I'm, I'm so glad that Jerry's here. I'm so glad. Oh I really gosh. am. It was really nice. Divine intervention, you see? It worked. It yeah, does. because Paul was supposed to come, but he couldn't exactly. make it. Eddie Clark was supposed to come. Oh. He couldn't make well, it. Well, she wasn't supposed to be on today. This is why it's divine intervention. Yep. We uh, were supposed to have a Thursday. Yep. We were supposed to have Thursday, but then her publicist called me and says, listen, can you do tomorrow? So I had a, you know, re, you know I had a wake. So cool for I, me. Do you see yeah, that? I had to make. I had to wake Ruben up because now he's <laughs> siestaing. But now he gets to go do DoorDash and Uber Eats and Grubhub. Thankfully, and, right? It's nice that they have these things out there for people to earn money. So what's going on at Friendlies? A lot. Um, I do a lot of different events, a lot of fundraisers. How come you don't do your show live from there every week? I like uh, the the souls. What are you no. doing now with the souls? No. The Souls for Souls. Yes. This is awesome. Okay. A 12-year-old boy named Zach Miller mm-hmm. for his bar mitzvah. He, his goal is 25,000 pair of shoes. Aww. And he's not going to stop until he gets them. And I think he's at somewhere around 7,500. Wow. Oh, so wow. we've got boxes for him. December 9th, a Monday night, if you okay. guys are Day available. Day before my birthday. Okay. We're doing what we did this last year. Um, we're doing the tree lighting, a menorah lighting. We're when doing. 
It's December 9th, Monday night. Magicians, of course. We've got Santa, the real Santa coming, toys for kids. Um, And we've got boxes, his boxes we're putting everywhere outside. And he's going to do a little speech as well. Because I just think he's incredible. So you're doing shoes and and socks or just 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 shoes? shoes. Shoes for crews. You know, he's sending them everywhere. Souls for souls. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. So that's December 9th. And what yeah. time is that? Everything's starting like five-ish. And you're having live entertainment oh, yes. and everything throughout. We'll be in the Dominican Republic. For your birthday? For my birthday, birthday and birthday, our baby. anniversary oh, there you of go. six years. Wow. Can you believe it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I actually got my passport for the first wow. time in my life at the age of 42. But I'll be 40. Well, actually, I'll still be 42 yes. upon flight. And when I get back you'll home, be I'll be 43. You'll be younger before you I'll leave. Be, you'll be older I'll be when 43 when I get back from the Dominican Republic. Because we're leaving the day before anniversary and coming back the day after my birthday. Oh, you're going to owe me one. I will. And, <laughs> and I know just what I want, too. A fribble. <laughs> no, no, I want James D. Train Williams. Who? Oh, you got it. I like because I listened to his music oh growing my gosh. up. Hmm. Well, That'd be cool. Oh, that's where he lives? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was local for some reason. That is local. <laughs> yeah, not for me. <laughs> Talking to Mr. New Jersey. But yes. No. <laughs> okay, it's on. Here we go. Hi, is this Carlo or Paul? Uh, this is Carlo. <laughs> Hi, Carlo. It's Carol Burnett calling. Oh, my God. Hello, Miss Burnett. I just want to... Uh, oh, call me Carol. <laughs> oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure I was okay. I'm old school. I, you know, I will try to be respectful. <laughs> Quite all right. Thank you so much. I sure. It's it's not every day that I get to talk to a living legend, so I want to thank you. <laughs> you flatter me. Thank you. Uh, it's an honor. I mean, and I'm joining me today is uh, two co-hosts who are very big fans of yours, uh, Gisela Bella and Jerry Petito. Hello, Carol. Hi, Hi beautiful. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to let you know that uh, on behalf of uh, us here at Animal House Radio, Hamilton Radio, and American Forces Network, um, you are the undisputed queen of comedy, of entertainment. And, uh, you know, I got a couple of emails from some uh, soldiers that are overseas that I'm going to share with you a little later. But um, they wanted me to say thank you for making them laugh. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to jump right in, uh, Carol. Um, sure. You've been entertaining for 50-plus years. I mean, you, yeah. you were the role model and inspiration for so many people. Where did you get your... Who was around when you were growing up that you were inspired by? Well, actually, I didn't know I was going to do this until I was 18. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I had entertained the idea when I was growing up of being a cartoonist mm-hmm. and having my own comic strip in a newspaper... And then I became editor of my junior high school and Hollywood high school uh, newspapers. So then I thought, well, maybe I'll be a journalism major, you know. And then I went to UCLA, and they didn't have a major in journalism. I could take a class and join the, the, the newspaper on campus. But then I looked in the catalog, and they had a, a major called Theater Arts English, which meant I could take the playwriting courses because I, I really wanted to be a writer. Uh-huh. And But no matter whether you wanted to write or do whatever, as a, a freshman, being in the theater, under the theater wing, I had to take an acting class. I had to take a costume building class, scenery, oh, uh, wow. lighting, so forth. And so when I took the acting class, I was really 
I've never done anything before. And I picked some kind of a little light scene to do, and they laughed. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my. <laughs> this is, <laughs> Felt this is good. something I really enjoy. And uh, so I went on and I auditioned for some other one-act plays at UCLA and on and on. And so I really didn't, uh, uh, growing up, there wasn't anybody. because I, But when I got to be older, I loved watching uh, Sid Caesar. Oh, yeah, your show His of shows. comedy, yeah. you know, uh, just appealed to me tremendously. And the idea of doing a variety, you know, set with sketches and different costumes and being different characters. So he was one of my first uh, idols. And then, of course, I, I adored Lucy. Yeah, even though she was the same person every week, it was a sitcom, I just admired her bravery, and uh, she didn't care what how, how she looked. <laughs> right. Or, you know, and she was so, so brilliantly, well, she was gorgeous, but yes. she was also, you know, uh, brilliant at slapstick and physical comedy. And uh, so then I uh, I went to New York and hoping to be on on the stage in musical comedy because I I also learned that I could sing I could belt out a tune. Oh wow! And that that I never did until I got to UCLA. So I, I was kind of a a late comer when you want to think about it, you know, yeah. because I had not entertained the idea of doing this until I was out of high school. You know what? It's amazing because the way, the watching you on TV and um, seeing you, it looks like you, that's what you set out to do. Yeah. And you, you make it look so flawless, like you were <laughs> born natural. to do. I mean, you were born to do it, but yep. even though you were a late bloomer, it looks like that's, that's what you wanted to do since you were a kid. And, and I guess so. I, but, there was one, though. Uh, I was raised by my grandmother, and we lived in Hollywood. We moved out from Texas when I was seven. And we would save our pennies and go to the movies. And so I would come home, and I had a best girlfriend in the neighborhood. Isla May was her name. And we would act out some of the movies that we saw. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I, uh, and for anybody who remembers who Betty Grable was, or wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Judy Garland, or, you know, those yes. Yeah, and so we would pretend to be those people. And so that maybe was, you know, festering inside of me, but I, I had no idea that that would be my calling. No. Yeah. It's Jerry? funny, we share the same that I was raised by my grandmother as well. And um, uh -huh. would you like to tell everybody about the ear-tugging? Because I love well, that. <laughs> well, when, when I got to New York and I got my first shot on television, it was on the Paul Winchell Kitty TV show. And he was a ventriloquist, and he had these. So I was the girlfriend of the dummies. <laughs> and uh, I called my grandmother and, uh, in California, and I said, Nanny, I'm going to be on television next Saturday morning, you know, the Paul Winchell Kitty TV show. And she said, well, say hello to me. And I said, I don't think you're going to let me say hello, Nanny. <laughs> you know, <on> television. <laughs> so we worked it out that I would pull my ear, and that would be the signal to her. I oh, love wow. it. Yeah, so I just kept it up even after she passed away. Oh, wow. That's Jerry? So, Carol, this is Jerry Petito. I got to see you at the State Theater yeah. last month, thanks to Carlo. He got the tickets for us for your show. It was incredible, oh. and I got to say hello to you. And I asked oh, about giving you an interview, and you gave me your um, 
the name of your agent. Your agent so, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, so you'll be hearing from me as well. But Carlo blessed me today with this seat because I love you. And I don't have oh. any questions for you, but I need you to know something. I've watched you since I was a little kid with my parents and grandparents. And when I got to see you live, listen, I cried through some oh. of the show, and just saying hello to you was beautiful, and I thank you for thank that. Thank you. And you thank should really you. thank Carol, because Carol was originally supposed to go Thursday, and I told her, it's divine yes. intervention. Yes. Yes, my okay. show, my show is at 5 o'clock today, so I was able to come today because I thought I was going to be doing my show later, and here I am <laughs> sitting in with oh. this show. Thank you. I'm sorry I had to cancel. I'm glad. That's okay. No, we're glad. Carol, let me ask you, you're doing a show now, it's a tour, and you're doing uh, laughter and reflections and where the audience gets to ask a question. Right. Now, I've noticed this trend with a lot of musicians who've been in the business 30, 40, and 50 plus years. Um, how, how amazing is it to you that besides the core audience that followed you so many years, you're seeing people that there's no way they could have been around when your show was right. aired and they're super mm -hmm. fans. Oh, it's it's a thrill. I'm getting fan mail now from 10-year-olds. Yep. Oh, wow. Teenagers. So cool. <laughs> and it's, it's because we uh, sold a lot of the DVDs through Time Life, and then uh, we're on YouTube. Yep, YouTube. And we're on MeTV. So a lot of kids, are. I get letters saying, uh, you know, I watch you when I get home from school, and uh, so cool. on and on and on. And it's, in fact, one of my favorite things, I tell this sometimes when I'm on tour, when I'm asked this question, about a year or so ago, there was a little boy in the audience that, you know, I never know what they're going to ask, and it's all random. There's no planned questions at all, because I want it to be right off the, you know, right off the top of my head. And this little boy raised his hand, and I said first, I said, well, what's your name? And he said, Andrew. And I said, how old are you, Andrew? And he said, nine. And I said, and you know who I am? And he paused, and then he said, surprisingly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Too cute. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I That's wanted great. to take him on tour with me. He That's great. So <laughs> oh my God. But, yeah, so it's 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 a thrill. And and then, you know, a lot of younger people know me from doing Annie. Yes, right, me right. too. The movie. Mm -hmm. and But mostly, I think it's YouTube, BTV, and the DVDs that uh, were sold. I was going to ask you, uh, where did the concept of Mama's Family come from on, on your show? That came from the two writers who wrote it. Uh, they were a team, Dick Clare and Jenna McMahon, and they hated their mothers. <laughs> so I remember the first time I read the script, I, I was amazed at, you know, the, the kind of, uh, it, there were no jokes. It was yeah. all character-driven, and to me it was just very, you know, the epitome of a dysfunctional family. And so, but somehow, for some reason, I heard them with southern accents. Oh. So I just picked up and started talking like that, That's like, funny. you know, with a southern accent. And Vicki and, and uh, Harvey followed suit. And yeah. I remember when we, uh, we would do a run-through, we'd get the script on a Monday, and then on Wednesdays, we would do a run-through for the writers and the crew and the cameraman and everybody. And... When we did came out with those accents, Dick and Jenna were horrified. They said, "You are going to alienate the entire South." <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they said, "Because they were from Chicago." Wow. And I, I just said, oh, "Well, you know, that's 
just the way we feel, you know, it should be played. Mm-hmm. And we aired it, and we got mostly terrific response. And so we only thought it was going to be one time. So we kept doing them. I think we wound up doing 35 of them. Then the spinoff was with Vicky, uh, with Vicky Mama's Mom. family. Right. But also we decided, and it was like, I forget what year it was, we did an hour and a half uh, called Eunice. And in it, at the very last act, Mama was dead and we're coming back from a funeral. Oh, and okay. With, yeah, with Betty White as my sister oh, and Ken right. Berry as my brother. And it, it was beautifully written by Dick and Jenna. And by that time, they were all very happy with the, the accents that we were using. But it, it, would, it came from them. Those, those characters. I have one more question, actually. Um, when you're deciding on the character to play, why did you choose to uh, play Eunice versus Mama? Well, at first, I think they wrote it for me to be Mama oh. and have a guest star be Eunice. But for some reason, Eunice spoke to me. Uh, and I said, I really would rather, I think I could dig into that better than I could Mama. Mm-hmm. So we were going to hire an older actress to come on board and play Mama. And it was Bob Mackey, our costume designer. Again, we thought, oh, we're only going to do it one time. So Bob said, oh, let me just put Vicky in a blue-gray wig and a body, (laughs) you know, pat her body out. That's great. And take the eyelashes off, put her in glasses, and let her do Mama. Oh, wow. And it it was just the best idea. And Vicky just took to it like a duck to water. You know, she was brilliant. Was yeah. Oh, wow. uh, uh, Carol. You know, and I'm 16 years older than she is, and she played my mama. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Carol, speaking of Bob Mackie, I have to say, after watching so many women on TV for so many years, you were absolutely the best dressed woman on TV with those outfits. And, uh, oh, you know, I know he, it's. <laughs> yeah, he, he was brilliant, but I have to say, he didn't just dress me, he dressed everybody. Uh, every, in every sketch, right. he came up with the looks for Mrs. Wiggins and, and, and Eunice and all. And so he he designed and executed average 65 costumes a week wow. yeah, yeah. for 11 years. So do the math. It adds up to over 17,000 costumes that he designed oh, wow. for our show. Yeah, you know what? I, I was watching a I, – I, I apologize if the name escapes me, but you did a movie with Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, and you had one of the greatest lines in the in movie history that I'd ever heard. You said, "I can get pleasure in bed from any man, and it doesn't have to take its toll." <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that line. Thank you for of, reminding. Of course, me. the man would remember. <laughs> no, I just thought it was funny. You and her were brilliant. Yes, of course, the man would right. remember. <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, I, we. We became fast friends. I really loved her a lot. Yeah. Now, as far as the Carol Burnett show, that was your show. You were the you were the in charge. Now, I know you had really great writers, but how many times did you just decide to improv scenes? Uh, not too much, uh, actually. Uh, sometimes we'd throw a line in here or there, but it was mostly Tim Conway who would go off script and. It, for, I would say 99% of the time it was pure gold. Yes. So we would let him go. We would do two shows on Friday with two different audiences, and we would tape both of them. And Tim would do the first show around 5 o'clock, I think, in the afternoon, and the second show was around 8. And Tim would do the first show exactly the way it was written. 
So he'd go to the director afterwards, and he'd say, did you get everything? Dave, our director, said, yeah, we're fine. And then then he would go totally the other way once the second show started. And uh, we trusted him. We let him go. And the audience knew it, and they they could tell. And, uh, of course, poor Harvey, he would. <laughs> oh, my he, God. Harvey, I think it was Tim's goal in life to destroy Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would take after. And Harvey prided himself on being a very serious comedic actor. But when it came to Tim, he couldn't keep it together. Oh, all bets were off, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, all bets were off. And. You know, they, uh, we had been criticized by some, saying, well, you know, you shouldn't have laughed or this or that. But I wanted it to be like no. a live show, as if we were right on stage at a Broadway show and, and you had to deal with it. Well, and, it, it you know, worked. And people think that we broke up more often than we actually did, but they remember it because it was so funny. Oh, wow. Uh, Joe? Yeah, it's just all over again. Um, I have a question. Uh, for... If you had to give anybody advice today to get started, what would be the one thing that you suggest for them to do? Great question. Well, there's no one way to become successful. Mm -hmm. There's no one way. Uh, You ask me one way, and then you'd ask my chum, Julie Andrews, it would be another way, you ask so-and-so. But what I feel is that, first of all, you have to really want it. You have to have the fire in the belly. And to uh, and you have to be able to take rejection True. because right. you're going to get it. And I remember uh, when I first went to New York, I finally got close to getting a small part. I think it was in a Broadway show or off Broadway or something. And it was between me and another girl. And I really thought I had it. I I really thought I had it, but I didn't. She got it. Uh-huh. And what saved me. And I don't know how this came about, but this is also advice I would give. I thought to myself, well, you know what? It's her turn. Okay. That was good. It wasn't my turn. Okay. My turn will come, but this was, she was supposed to get this part, and that kept me from being discouraged. Okay. So you kept the fire in your belly, and you decided Mm -hmm. that it wasn't your time yet, but when it was, you would be ready. Timing is everything, no? Pardon me? Timing is everything, too, you know? Absolutely. And uh, wow. there was a time that I was up for uh, a, a off-Broadway thing again. I, the director wanted me, and I thought, again, I thought I had it. It was, they were gonna, it was a revival of Babes in Arms, written by uh, uh, Richard Rogers, and they were going to open it in Florida. And uh, the director wanted me, but then they decided, the producers said that they wanted to go with a name. So I didn't get it, and I was really disappointed when the director called me, said, Carol, I'm so sorry, you know, but, uh, you know, things will happen for you. And no sooner did I hang up the phone, and about 10 minutes later, the phone rang, and it was the producers of a little off-Broadway show called Once Upon a Mattress. Oh, Oh, wow. And they wanted me to come down and audition. And I took the subway, and I auditioned, and I got home. The phone was ringing, and I had the part. Now, had I gotten the other role, I never would have gotten the role in Once Upon a Mattress. And the other role, they closed out of town in Florida. So that door opened, and that gave me my really big Broadway break, uh, being in Once Upon a Mattress. Oh, wow. 
And then um, how did you get the Gary Moore show job? Uh, I had auditioned for Gary. He had a morning show <clears throat> five days a week, and I had some material that uh, uh, had been written for me for a nightclub act, and I did it uh, in front of Gary, and he said, come on our show, and I did. <clears throat> so he knew me. Oh, wow. And then he got the nighttime show, the hour show on Tuesday nights, and I was very happy for him, and it was doing well. And the phone rang on a Sunday, and they taped, uh, they did it live on Tuesday. And it was Gary and Martha Ray, brilliant comedian, oh, yeah. was the guest that week. <clears throat> Excuse me. And she had bronchitis. And they said, could you come and learn, learn the part? So I was over there like Roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned the part. And I did all the stuff, you know, that Martha was going to do. And uh, that gave Gary the idea to hire me and to be regular on his show. So I remember uh, Martha sent me flowers. She was so sweet. Oh, and then wow. later on, when I had my show, Martha was a guest several times. Carol, I got a, a letter, an email, um, when we told, uh, when we broadcasted that you were going to be on. Uh, his name is Richard Schofield. He's in the U.S. Army. He's in a forward area in Afghanistan. And he, he says, you know, he, he remembers watching you as a kid. And he's a little bit younger, but he still remembers seeing you on TV. And then when he actually got deployed over there, you know, they don't get much TV. But AFN does reach that part of the area. He says, watching your show and watching your characters and Vicky and Tim and Harvey said it got them through the best and the worst of times and thank you. Oh my gosh. So yeah. And oh you're, my you're, gosh. You're, you're, and I'm sure that sentiment is felt all over for all the servicemen and women. Oh that is what well, you've made by day. Oh well you've made our lives. You, you know. Oh thank you. Jerry you had another question? Well I just wanted to say something. I want to piggyback off of something you said about it not being your time um, and I'm sure you probably know this but Phoebe from friends she put out something she did a speech and she was fired from Frasier and oh. she said thank God I was fired from Frasier and the speech was beautiful because it wasn't her time and because of that everything else you know she oh, ended up place. being on friends yeah. and it was beautiful so when you said that that just touched yeah. me and you're right it wasn't your time and look where you're at now so that's beautiful exactly. that's beautiful yeah. Carol yeah. Carol, let me ask you a question. The tour you're doing now, you've you've entertained for so many years. I mean, and I know and having that tour going around is such a positive thing. It's it's educating people, especially as myself as a comedian. And, and, and I get a little dismayed at the younger comics because they should know who came before them. But it's such a with all the nonsense going around, it's such a positive thing. But at this point in the game, is it just the fact that you can't stop entertaining people and you love it so much because you really you really don't need to tour though no I, but i what what am i gonna do <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I feel good and the thing about it is it keeps the old gray matter ticking yes. i have to be on my toes because as i say that there are no planned questions and uh you know it's totally okay you're gonna ask me a question i'm gonna have to think fast and come up i hope with a good right answer, answer a snappy answer or what and so that uh you can't be uh, i can't be thinking about yesterday or I can't be thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow when I'm on that stage. I have to be in the present and that's good for the brain. Right. So I get a lot out of it. Uh, you know, just 
personally being able to say, okay, that was a good show. That was fun. I had a good audience and we had a lot of laughs. And that makes me feel good. Right, right. Uh, uh, what about, uh, is there a chance that, I know you're, you've got a crazy schedule with the tour, but is there a chance we could see you on TV again? I'm doing, um, yeah, I um, it's actually next week I'm doing a cameo uh, for uh, Netflix. Uh, it's a movie called Sort of Like a Rock Star, and that'll be on Netflix. And then Mad About You is doing a reboot. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, so I'm going to be a uh, guest on, on one of those because oh. I played Helen's mother all those years ago. Oh. So I'm coming back as that same character. Oh, wow, that's right. I forgot about that. But it's just one one. It's just one. Oh, but you, you, can't, know. you can't do it to us. You got You know, you give us like, it's like getting our fix. We need more. I know, she's fantastic. <laughs> um, I have a, a question from one of our listeners as well. Um, his name is Shannon Duncan. And he says, do you have a favorite episode that you did that still stays with you until today? Oh, no, I don't. I no. have a few. <laughs> right. Uh, there are, it's two, you know, uh, all those shows that I've got several uh, of my favorites. You know, I always loved uh, doing Eunice, of course, and I loved doing Mrs. Wiggins with Tim as Mr. Tudball. And I also loved doing the movie takeoffs because, as I said, I was raised by my grandmother, and we'd go to the movies, and I'd come home and play act the movies, and then to get my own show, and I could be Joan Crawford. I could be Betty Grable. I could be Rita Hayworth. I could be Doris Day. I could be those people with costumes and lighting and all, and it was a thrill. And uh, and so I, some of the well, look at Gone with the Wind, what we did with that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and that was twenty minutes long. We sure. did the whole movie in twenty minutes, and uh, of course everybody remembers what Bob Mackey came up with with the curtain rod dress, but also the sketch itself was brilliantly written. It was written by two of our writers, and one of them, his essay in college was on Gone with the Wind. So he knew every scene and every line and all of that. So if you watch it again, you'll see how close it is to spoofing the original. And it's, as I say, it's brilliantly written. I love, like, the line when, <laughs> when I've come down the stairs in the curtain rod, and Harvey says, that gown is beautiful. <laughs> and, they, and I said... Thank you. I saw it in the that window, and I just couldn't resist it. <laughs> that was great. That was and great. A brilliant line. And yeah. Throughout the sketch, there are brilliant lines cool. like that. I think you're just and, an improv genius. Yeah. You know, throughout your whole career, oh, everything absolutely. that you've done, including the Atlantic City and your touring, it's just yeah. amazing. Carol, when you're sitting home and you're watching TV, who makes you laugh, or what makes you laugh nowadays? Uh, I I kind of got interested in Schitt's Creek. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Did you see it? I, I've heard I, of it. I haven't seen I've it. I've seen it. It's, it's funny. It's, you know, with uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, they can do no wrong, and they make me laugh. Oh, wow. For the, uh, yeah. That's, that's got to be some testament because, I mean, you're the undisputed uh, queen, so. I'm a good audience. Carol, God bless Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I hope we, you know, we've had so many more questions, oh but I know our time is limited. I would love to do a part two with you down the road. Sure. And uh, thank you so much. God bless and keep entertaining us. And, and once You're again, welcome. and if you ever want to produce the Animal House radio show, yeah, right. We need all the help <laughs> we, we can get. We have a bunch of animals here. <laughs> God bless, Carol Burnett. Everybody, Woo! thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Awesome.